0: All right. Welcome, everybody. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> We're both, uh, just so everybody knows, Cam and I are, like, quickly dying of Phoenix exhaustion. Yeah, it's, it's the hottest episode yet, and,
1: and I don't yeah. mean because there's all kinds of sultry content. No, it's, it's just a- fucking
0: hot as shit in both of our little uh, <laughs> studio den recording areas.
1: Yeah, if you want hot content, go back and listen to my Louis XIV episode about the fistula. That's where all the sex appeal is. This episode yep. uh, is going to be a continuation of our discussion of the opium wars, wherein we discuss the actual opium wars. Um, last the time, wars
0: fought over
1: opium. Yeah, yeah. And last time we kind of talked more about the conditions leading up to the opium wars, you know, what uh, the socioeconomic situation was that allowed for this to you know happen um today we're going to kind of talk about the wars themselves now there are two separate opium wars they both were years long um this is not like a military history podcast i am going to gloss over Mm -hmm. all of the fucking union jack worshiping british soldier bravery fucking climbing the walls and shooting chinese people Uh, we're not going to go into a huge amount of detail about like the actual battles. Um, that's all going to be kind of quick. We're just going to talk about all the, the fun political shit surrounding most of it. Um, and I'll talk a little bit about the battles, but just like a couple that I think are particularly worth mentioning. Um, but yeah, so what's up with you, man, before we dive in, what's going on? Uh, not much. Um, been working a
0: shit ton this week, so very, very low energy, but I'll get high energy for this absolutely i'll get hyphy uh, you know uh watched the suicide squad and it was uh, a lot better than the first one which we yeah. talked about many episodes ago
1: yeah i watched it I, I i liked it it was fun yeah you know i think if if there's one thing that you can say about it and it seems to be the general consensus it's a fun movie it's a fun yeah, movie yeah. to watch yeah i mean it's
0: james gunn you know so it's basically r-rated guardians of the galaxy
1: yeah yeah it's 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 fun it's got sylvester stallone playing a cannibal shark man um yeah which is pretty cool he like and he does eat fucking people which is nice like basically the entire movie long yeah
0: anytime he's on screen he's either about to currently or just finishing up eating another human yeah
1: he eats a lot of people um and i don't know it had flula borg in it for like a brief minute as the javelinier. yeah uh, which i thought was pretty cool yeah, it had the right amount of Pete Davidson. Yeah,
0: which is you know very small
1: amount. But it was just the right amount. Yeah, he was in it. He had like four lines, and he got his face blown off, and it was yeah. like I, perfect. We have yeah. found the niche for Pete Davidson. Yeah. Every movie he's in, he should have three lines, and then get his fucking face blown off. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah. If King of Staten Island had had four minutes of Pete Davidson followed by him getting his face blown off, Oscar.
0: Yep. That was actually a, pretty, a that was a pretty as, okay movie. I I didn't watch it. I was pretty okay. I have not seen it.
1: Yeah, I, I I'm not going to go so far as to like heavily endorse it, but like if you find yourself like watching it, I don't know, it's not bad. It's pretty good. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we watched that, and uh, yeah, yeah, we both watched that. I don't we know. You seen you parts. seen any you seen any good sex pornos lately?
0: Um, I have not. Have you? Have you seen any good, uh, sex pornos?
1: Nah, man. I don't watch those. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, it's just hot, man. I don't know. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm, 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 my banter is, uh, severely impacted by the level. Yeah, the, the bands are weak. Yeah. I, it's, adv- and it's advancing. It's, it's getting work, uh, worse and worse yeah. every second. Like, look at how red I am. Yeah. My face is completely wet. So, I guess maybe we should just dive in because this isn't going to yep. be like a quick, quick episode. Um, okay. Y- you guys might notice us moving at an increasingly <laughs> rapid pace as like our bodies deteriorate. Maybe yeah, we'll take yeah. it, uh, an AC intermission or something for like five yeah, minutes. I, yeah, I'm already feeling that coming on. Yeah. yeah, maybe at the halfway mark we'll do that. Um, okay. So, we'll dive in. Um, but, before we do, a word from our sponsors.
0: Can you hold the card up? I can't even read the copy, man. The card, man. Wait, wait we're rolling? Oh, shit. Hey, Left red, listeners. What's going on, man? My name is Rip Kipley, and I'd totally like to welcome you all to Rip Kipley's Chill Zone Opium Dent. What? Oh, shit, man. My bad. Let's try again. Hey, guys. Welcome to Rip Kipley's. Wait, why am I welcoming them? They're not even here, man. Okay, okay, let's start from the top. Hey, opium (laughs) ads. Shit, wait, sorry, man. Let's try again. What? Don't worry about your ears, man. You look good. (laughs) Okay, let's let's start from the top, for real this time. (laughs) Hey, left on red listeners. My name is Rip Kipley, owner and proprietor of this here infamous Rip Kipley's Totally Not Opium Den Chill Zone. Come on down to Rip Kipley's and hang out, smoke some tobacco sit back smoke some tobacco and just take a load off and hang out we are totally 100% legal and not a place to smoke opium or do any other illegal shit so come on down say that left and red sent you and get smoked the fuck up today cheers man I'm Rip Kipley <laughs> dude that place sounds chill as fuck <laughs> Yeah, and I definitely don't think they smoke opium, though. I was
1: going to say, we should go there and just chill and, and have like a legal good
0: time. Yeah, just a very cool and good, very legal, very cool, a perfect
1: hangout. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rip Kipling, yeah. man. I'm going to have to look into that after this episode, because I'm going to yeah. need to chill, because I'm melting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which coincidentally is maybe how you'll feel when you hang out and smoke the tobacco they have at Rip Kipley's.
0: Yeah, yeah, get smoked the fuck up.
1: I like. Dude, that it as is a like
0: already like ten degrees hotter in my room. Yeah, it's bad.
1: In. Let's just dive in. We're two hot boys. We're gonna dive in. Um, all right. So yeah, I'm gonna get, get us like comedy hour. Let's hot, uh... hot boys having hot times. Um, so I'm gonna get us caught up here. Um, so if you'll remember, <laughs> yes. when we left yeah. off talking about the opium war in part one, which is episode 25, if you haven't listened to it, you, you probably should. I mean, we don't necessarily consider ourselves like a sequential podcast, but. When we do multi-parters, yeah. you should probably listen to part one. Um, we left off after the small skirmish at Kowloon in July of 1839, which pitted Chinese defenders against British naval and merchant antagonists. Um, this has been framed uh, by both sides as being an act of aggression from the other side. Uh, my personal stance is that the English are aggressors in this entire uh, occasion. Yeah, I would, uh, I would say that's, that's a pretty... Yeah, you need some pretty surprised. non-controversial take. There are there are still modern historians who are like, fucking waffling on this, and surprise, surprise, they're mostly British. But um, it's, it's <laughs> yeah it's
0: they're probably also very pro-business oh sure like how dare how dare you you try to
1: choke off our profit streams oh there are lots of like hot revisionist history takes talking about how like in the long run the introduction of the free market to China was a good thing and it's like I don't know man there's about a hundred years of fucking bloodshed that say otherwise but anyhow. yeah
0: listen if there's one thing we here at left and Red want our listeners to understand is that history is filled with perverts but the biggest perverts
1: of all are the people who study it and talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like I, every single episode, I am putting clothespins on my, my foreskin. Uh, which, by the way, I mean, it's not attached to my body anymore. So it's weird that I still have
0: it. Yeah, you have it, like, uh, on the wall as like, I wear a it in a, a
1: pouch around my neck. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, anyway. like you're the Onion Knight with his knuckles. That's right. <laughs> um, so the British have finally been banned from the mainland under orders of Lin Zexu, uh, who's the imperial viceroy of Canton at the time, uh, after Lin Zexu's British counterpart, superintendent of Chinese trade Charles Elliot, refused to hand over British sailors who had drunkenly beaten a Chinese merchant to death in Kowloon. Uh, as the story apparently goes, and I didn't mention this last time, the guy they killed was like a grocer, and they were trying to buy rice wine from him, and he refused because they were hammered, and so they killed him which is like the most English shit ever. Anyway, so this this event, after they kill this guy who doesn't want to sell them rice wine, uh, it yeah. sparks a, a Mexican standoff uh, in Kowloon Harbor, which ultimately devolves into a British naval bombardment, uh, effectively pushing the Chinese defenders back after an exchange of gunfire. So the British, forcing their way into Kowloon to buy supplies and spread a little good old-fashioned propaganda about how shocked they were that the Chinese would like do that oh my god mm-hmm. like how rude <laughs> yeah uh so what happens now i'll tell you what the first opium tell war happens <laughs> um so the opium war kicks off in earnest at the battle of chun um i'm gonna repeat what i said last time i don't know how to pronounce a lot of this shit i'm doing my <laughs> best I, I did actually do a little research into into properly pronouncing a lot of these romanizations of chinese words but
0: yeah
1: it's hard Chinese, yeah. is so a lot of these are pronounced differently in Mandarin and Cantonese, yeah. um, which adds an extra level of confusion, but those are both incredibly complex languages. So <laughs> um, the reason we're, we're gonna dive in and we're gonna talk about the Battle of Chinpi, it's actually probably gonna be the battle that we describe in the most detail, because um, I find it so funny and so interesting. Um, yeah. So we're gonna fast forward to October. Okay. A British merchant ship called the Thomas Coots. And remember, when I mentioned Thomas Coots, that's a ship, not a guy. Yeah. Uh, it sails into Canton. Now, supposedly, this was a no-no, um, because as we mentioned at the end of last episode, Canton has been shut to foreigners. Um, it's well known to the Chinese, however, that the Thomas Coates is owned by Quakers, and Quakers don't sell opium for religious reasons. Um, yeah. They probably had a bunch of oats and engine oil or something. <laughs> so that being said, uh, the captain of the ship wants to try to work something out with the local officials. He's hoping to have the ban on British traders amended to exclude merchants with like a good track record who were known not to traffic in opium. Um, he just wants to engage in some legitimate drug-free trade. And he's hoping that, at the very least, all the ships carrying non-opium cargo can unload yep. their shit on the nearby island of chun for sale uh, so that they don't suffer complete losses just because some drug-running assholes had to ruin everything. Uh, okay. So, yep. a bunch of drug-running assholes are about to ruin everything. Superintendent oh, Elliot. Yeah, I know, right? Um, so, <laughs> Superintend- <laughs> Superintendent Elliot, he sees this and he thinks, Hey, what the shit, dude? You're going to ruin everything. Uh, this is going to discourage British merchants from selling opium, and we just can't have that. No. Uh, so, he orders a British naval blockade of the Pearl River to stop other British ships from trying to sail to Canton and make similar deals. Um, this comes to a head on November third when another ship, the Royal Saxon, which is like <clears> the <throat> most British name for a ship ever, yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> <absolutely>. <laughs> yeah. Uh, attempts to follow the Thomas Coots upriver. And so the Royal Navy ships, the HMS Volage and the HMS Hyacinth, fire on their own countrymen in an attempt to send a message like, "Hey man, like no scabs are going to break this strike." But it's like you know the opposite, like less cool drug dealer version of that yeah yeah. Um, so in response the local Qing navy musters a fleet of war junks to defend the royal saxon from Elliot's bombardment yeah you heard that right the first battle of the opium war revolves around the chinese defending honest british merchants who didn't sell drugs from their drug dealing bully countrymen who didn't want these brown nosers ruining their little racket Mm -hmm. it doesn't sound too benevolent or honorable to me what about you no yeah yeah, it sounds kind of scummy. Yeah, sounds like sounds like a whole bunch of bullshit. A whole bunch of bullshit. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, the volage and the hyacinth—they fucking rock the Chinese. What were you gonna say? <laughs> I said, Puck you, Miss." <laughs> oh, Puck you, Miss." I'll oh, catch you. Eat? I said, Puck you" with a P. Oi, fuck us! <laughs> Man, dude, he is—he's canceled. Oh, I mean, which was guaranteed for, for, to happen. I'm not disagreeing yeah. with it. He basically I mean, made his it's whole amazing, career on it's black It's amazing
0: places. how far he made it into like 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 how like it was pretty late into him doing uh yeah some pretty sketchy comedy for him
1: to yeah. get canceled yeah yeah i don't know and it's too bad because you know what some of those shows like, are like pretty fun
0: i mean yeah like yeah i'm sorry like angry boys i know it's like 100% cancelable content but yeah
1: it's a pretty
0: fucking funny show man and it's a really funny show yeah it's a yeah. really
1: funny show i remember we were all really into that show for a while
0: yeah, and then he had, like, a newer one on
1: Netflix. I watched a few episodes of it. Yeah, yeah. It none was... of his stuff after Angry Boys was very good. Yeah. He did a Jemay show, and then he did a Jonah yeah, from Tonga Yeah, where he show. only plays
0: Jemay. Yeah. And then it was the Jonah from Tonga show, which was yeah. the second time playing Jonah from Tonga, that he got canceled.
1: Yeah. And then he had that one on Netflix where he was, like, a pet psychic or something from South yeah. Africa. Yeah,
0: and then, like, a, like a nine-foot-tall, like, teenage girl, too, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah.
1: And he stopped doing, like, the brown face thing that got him in trouble. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, again, it's good that that shit has to stop.
0: Yeah. Tim, fat, please?
1: Tim, <laughs> Tim, could you fat, please? Skateboarding, <laughs> gay
0: style. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, You're anyway... Man.
1: I digress. Uh, the Velage and the Hyacinth, they rock the Chinese fleet, destroying four ships, taking essentially no damage. Uh, unfortunately, this is going to be kind of the theme in the Opium Wars. Uh, yeah. Both fleets withdraw. The Chinese chief naval commander, uh, Admiral Guan Tianpei, Uh, would officially report, essentially, that we successfully defended the honorable British merchants from the drug dealers, and we won a great victory for the empire, without mentioning how bad things were looking before the mutual withdrawal. Unfortunately, this is also going to kind of be the theme here in the Opium Wars. Um, So, Elliot's report was similarly obtuse. He said something along the lines of, I was protecting British naval vessels from nefarious Chinese assault. Uh, But, like, we expect this kind of rat-faced shit from the British, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> however, the Chinese do have one tactic up their sleeves at this point that Elliot fears, and that's the use of fire ships or hellburner ships, um, which is a yeah. super old military tactic that's not confined to China, but potentially originated there, famously used. Um, I don't know if we have any Dynasty Warriors fans there, but uh, the, the, the Battle of Hebei, the Battle of Red Cliffs, uh, where Sun Chuan, Sun, Sun one of the Suns, Set a bunch mm-hmm. of ships on fire. Anyway, basically, what you do is you pack a ship filled with like gunpowder and incendiary materials, and then either yep. let it drift on the wind, ideally, or have like a skeleton crew of guys who hopefully can jump out in time, um, steer it into an enemy ship formation, and then set it on fire and just like wreak total havoc over a bunch of ships, because um, you know they're mm-hmm. all made of wood and cloth and shit. So. Um, So he's afraid that this is going to happen. It's basically naval kamikaze. Um, So Elliot decides to fuck off to Macau, which, if you remember, was owned by the Portuguese, and he begs the governor there to allow. Hell yeah,
0: dude! Yeah, man. What's up, man?
1: This is the air (laughs) horns. Air horns. Yeah. Yeah, for (laughs) sure. (laughs) Um, He begs the governor there, whose name (laughs) is Adrial Acacio de da Silveira Pinto. whatever he's got the good sense to say like no thanks we don't want beef with china we're happy making the money that we're making um and so he shoes them away don't be too happy with portugal because like modern assessment has has found that they're probably the the originators of Europeans selling uh opium in china they just like didn't have india so they like didn't have enough opium to make like a huge difference but um
0: listen man i just want to say i am always happy with portugal (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, and to their credit, <laughs> the Arabs had also brought opium to China, and the Chinese did grow their own opium, but they just, like, didn't yeah. use much of it. They, f- f- The traditional use of opium with the Arabs and then with the Chinese was to prepare, like, a tincture or a tea, which just didn't get yeah. you that fucked up, and they would use it as, like, an anesthetic and stuff. The Portuguese yeah. brought smoked opium to China, which, like, yeah. got people really fucked up and, like, really hooked. And then the British, having inherited – well, inherited having conquered India – um, had, like, a surplus of it and were able to turn it into, like, a pandemic of of Yeah, epidemic but now of on the addiction. other hand, on the other hand, Portugal Carayu. so. Yeah, fair enough. I don't care about that. Um, <laughs> so back <laughs> okay, home. You? Okay, listen. Yes, you do. You like Portugal. Portugal's all right. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, Portugal's fine, man. I'm fine okay. with it. Okay. We can move past it. Yeah. Hopefully our relationship can continue to flourish despite my I'm not sure dismissal. it'll be the same, but, <laughs> but we can keep going. No, I'm an honorary Portuguese man. Yeah, I, uh, I, yeah.
0: Uh, the um, <laughs> um amigo do bacalhau, dude. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah,
0: a friend of the card, man.
1: Um, so... Back home in England, the response is divided. The general public yeah. in Britain, and actually in the United States too, um, they're mostly united in believing that this increasing aggression and the continued sale of opium in China are like morally reprehensible and trash. So like even at the time, contemporary like average people thought this was disgusting and shitty. Like this was yeah. never like uh, something that people looked at and were like, "This rocks!" Like go England. Like yeah, it, 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 it was shitty even then. Um, however, as remains true in both of these nations today, this essentially doesn't matter, as the governments in both nations have, by 1839, already basically begun to serve corporate interests. So the ruling Whig Party in the UK Parliament wants to escalate tensions, and despite uh, Queen Victoria's outward intention to, quote, continu- uh, continue examining the matter qu- uh, closely, they defeat... <laughs> Man, what <laughs> the fuck? Did you have some trouble? Yeah, I guess yeah, I am. It's, it's really hot. are the matter close, we- <laughs> The ruling Whig Party in the UK Parliament wanted to escalate tensions, and despite Queen Victoria's outward intention to, quote, continue examining the matter closely, uh, they defeat a Tory motion, which is the other big party at the time, uh, yeah. to halt the violence and the opium trade, and it's looking like war, baby. So wait a
0: minute. So, I mean, the Tories have always been the conservatives. Are the are the Whigs also conservative? N-
1: no. So I think similar things have happened. Uh, this is before the Labour Party gained prominence. And so they're both, like... Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? It's sort of like... You know how in the U.S., like, the two parties kind of flipped ideologically? In the U.K., there's yeah, just, well, like, a change of the... Yeah, I whatever. That's a whole thing. Yeah, we all have
0: to get it. To in it. Yeah, in yeah.
1: common parlance, it's easier to say, like, the parties have kind of flipped in terms of which is considered more liberal, which is considered more conservative. Um, in the U.K., the Labour Party sort of supplanted um, the Whig Party, and the Tories are now, like... The, the party is called the conservatives, but the Tories are, like, the colloquialism for it. So it's just different groups that are yeah. in modern U.K. politics, basically. Um, you can't really think of it, like, along modern terms. So they defeat a Tory motion to halt the violence in the opium trade, and it's looking like war. Um, So the first Opium War breaks out and I'm not going to dissect every battle as I said um, But the point is going to be to talk about like The backdrop and like what's going on and why all this stuff matters Um, So the primary Chinese commanders here are Guan Tianpei uh, who as I mentioned is the Grand Admiral of the Chinese Navy and General Yang Fang Who commands the southern armies. Uh, This is all in southern coastal China The the emperor at this time was the Daoguang Emperor, who's the sixth Qing emperor to rule over China proper. Um, Because remember, the Qing dynasty started just being sort of like a northern insurrection against the Ming. But eventually they consolidated control. And by now, they have, you know, six emperors have ruled over all of China. Okay. uh notably Dao Guang is remembered for being stubbornly traditionalist even in the face of foreign and domestic crises and refusing to adapt his rule to the challenges facing the nation so he historically ain't though the, yeah histor-
0: historically that that sort of uh game plan works out great
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it, yeah. well so it does uh when things are fine right but in times of upheaval it's like the the absolute worst well well that's that's what i mean about
0: being stubbornly traditionalist even in the face of um degrading material conditions yeah
1: exactly it's 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 just not good it's almost
0: always a recipe for a um for the world entering the cool zone
1: right right <laughs> um <laughs> so on the british side uh yeah. back home the war effort is sort of directed and pushed by foreign secretary henry third viscount palmerston who's uh a member of parliament and a war hawk who basically led the push for war. Um, yep. Back in China, uh, Elliot remains in charge of general British interests with Commodore James Bremer leading the Royal Marines and Major General, this is a funny name, I think it's Hugh Goff, but it's H-U-G-H-G-O-U-G-H. Like yeah, Hugh Go, Hugh Goff, I don't fucking know. Yeah. Um, he receives general command of the land forces in China. So Britain's stated goals, or really Lord Palmerston's, because he sort of wrote the letter that contained all of these that he sent o- overseas, are as follows. Uh, we're going to demand Chinese respect. We're going to secure okay. the legal rights for the superintendent to administer punishment to British nationals in China. Remember that whole situation in Kowloon where China wanted to punish the guys who murdered that dude, and he was like, no, I'm not, whatever. Um, they want to sure. make that the sure. legal precedent. Um, They want to seek recompense for destroyed British property, which is pretty cheeky Um, Gain more uh, the most favored trading status with the Chinese which we'll talk more about later Uh, They want to request the right for foreigners (laughs) to own property in China Uh,
0: They want to ensure that if any
1: British national is caught carrying contraband that even if the contraband is taken the national will be let free um, they want to ask that British merchants be allowed out of Canton and that the ports of Amoy, Shanghai, Ningpo, and Formosa, which is what they used to call northern Taiwan, be open Good. to trade. And then lastly, and this is a big one, that, island or, that an island or islands be acquired, i.e. conquered, offshore of China to, for use as either permanent trade hubs or to be ransomed back to the Chinese for similar gains. So
0: basically this entire thing is let the British ransack your ship.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. That is the total moral of the story with the Opium Wars, and it, it yeah. doesn't end here. Like this is just what they want right now. Get ready. Like literally, cause... like in
0: every possible way that they can think of it, they're like, "You see this shit? That's your shit. We want that to be our shit."
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because we want your tea, and we are sick of having to pay for it. So yeah, we want it all. So uh, they don't want an outright war um because at this point the chinese and the british are both involved in other conflicts elsewhere um which we're not going to really talk about um and also let's face it war sounds so yucky and so they want to keep the scale of the conflict to what they called a punitive expedition which you should recognize that sort of concept because we still do that (laughs) that that's sort of a double talk (laughs) yeah exactly yeah um so, they're going to harry the Chinese coast, uh, raid and capture islands, and wear the Qing forces down until they're down to uh, parley with the British. Mm-hmm. Uh, to accomplish this, in 1840, a series of expeditionary fleets, which are not full-scale war fleets, but smaller, more mobile fleets, uh, they have ground troop carriers, gunships, whatever, they're launched for China. Okay. So, we're going to get down to the actual fighting here. So, the first order of business was an assault on the Chushan Archipelago, which is home to the port city of Dinghai. So the British storm the islands. <laughs> just, come on, man!
0: City. I don't. I like that name though. Like, it's on, a good I name. Like yeah. Yeah. Dinghai. Hai.
1: Um, so the British storm the islands. They take the city. Um, they leave garrisons there, but they're immediately ravaged by disease. Like most of them die. Um, and they move to sail up the Pearl River, which, as you remember, is the river that empties out into Canton and is sort of the easiest way for the Chinese, uh, the British, to access mainland China. Um, so they're going to go sure. up into China proper. By May of 1841, after months of blockade, negotiation, back and forth skirmishing, the British had stormed and taken Canton and were moving further up the Pearl River towards Nanjing where they met with a fully determined Chinese counteroffensive, offensive um, The Chinese had been slow to mobilize. They basically believed that the British had been successfully repelled after Chun-Pi. They had no real concept of how powerful the British Navy actually was. Um, and they had been culturally dominant for like almost 2000 years at this point. So the idea that like some foreign barbarian is going to sail up and just wreck your shit, you know, like they thought like, okay, they've got like a couple big warships and that's what they've got. They don't realize that like, the couple warships off the coast of China are, like, an afterthought that are basically just there to, like... They
0: might not even realize they're fucking there.
1: (laughs) Yeah, right. They're kind of up their own asses. and They also have a lot of, like, internal strife going on at this point. There are internal rebellions, whatever. And so to to the Chinese government, for a lot of this period, uh, the wars and the skirmishes with the British, um, they don't really realize how big of a deal it is until it's, like, way too late because they're concerned with what they think of as, like, more imminent... Pressing issues, um, sort of internal issues within the empire, um, but by now they have mustered a full-fledged military response, and they're they're prepared to meet the British head on. And I don't want to give the wrong idea. I think a lot of people present this as like the Chinese, like still fighting with like swords and spears. They had guns, like they had cannons and rifles and whatever. They just weren't yeah. a fully realized modern military fighting force. You know, there were still swords and spears. Um, there was still using cavalry in, 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 a, in a very different way. Um, they didn't have the same kind of armor and training. It just wasn't like a fully realized modern force. They did have guns and shit though. Like they yeah. weren't like, you know, totally outdated. Um, The thing is, as we mentioned before, um, well, I just said that, so we'll skip that.
0: Um,
1: (laughs) Oh, but I did say, so like, they were sort of disincentivized to modernize their army because for, like I said, like 2,000 years, they've been the big swinging dick in East Asia if it ain't broke don't fix it right like yeah they
0: they didn't have to just go through the fucking mulcher that was the napoleonic wars
1: right Like completely changed warfare in europe right europe had (laughs) spent the last like you know thousand years just in constant brutal warfare just like sharpening the edge of their sword on each other yeah yeah. now they get to china and they're like what do you mean you guys haven't just been like putting each other through a meat grinder every century (laughs) like so China was just over here. We like... had
0: some, yeah, we had some dude who uh, tried to conquer the the entire continent and yeah. we just like literally had like a constant succession of eight wars against him where he was putting us through the mulcher until we finally
1: won right right so this is we're talking about like a post waterloo a post trafalgar british fucking military machine you know their navy is like psychotically well-tuned and excellent and the chinese are are for better or worse or well really worse are still using like you know thousand year old ships you know they're not actually a thousand years old but the technology hasn't really changed and the british have like state-of-the-art maritime equipment gun batteries things like that With sailors who have probably been in dozens of skirmishes right and battles. they've got lots of practice whatever like yeah. these are not like guys you know sitting on their heels like chilling collecting a sweet government pension they're out to fucking kill so <laughs> yeah. like i said you know the chinese army's policy prior to this was like if it ain't broke don't fix it they're about to get broke like yeah. it's, it's, it's about to happen and and it's going to happen bad um so the British Marines, supported by naval bombardments and reinforcements from home, end up crushing the Chinese counteroffensive after a year of hard fighting. Um, when I say hard fighting, I mostly mean hard fighting for the Chinese, who are throwing waves and waves of soldiers at them. And the English are taking, like, essentially no, cat- uh, no, no uh, casualties. Notably, yep. during the Battle of the Bogue, uh, Admiral Tianpei, leader of the Chinese naval forces, is killed in battle, which sends the chain of command into disarray. They're a very bureaucratic military and having the head guy like suddenly die. It's fucked up. Um, another, another one is the battle of Zhejiang, which is the final major battle of the first opium war, um, which Mm. sees intense street to street fighting and the suicides of many important Chinese merchants and nobles seeking to avoid capture. Um, notably this battle saw the highest British troop losses of the war. And you want to know how many troop losses I'm talking about? 36, 36 guys died in the bloodiest battle of the war. The Chinese are getting fucking slammed right now.
0: Yeah, man. You know, yeah. just like
1: absolutely taken to the cleaners by the British. And I don't say that with admiration. It's like it's like upsetting. It's like and the British the British kind of know that this is how it's going to go. It's like I think I made the allusion last time to like the dream team sending like Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and like all yeah. those dudes over to the Olympics to just like house a bunch of like Croatian amateurs in basketball. Yeah. It's like that. It's fucked up. You know, we're just talking yeah, about yeah, people yeah. on totally different levels here. So in 1842 Nanjing falls to the British uh, and it's beginning to look really bad because um, like if the British can take Nanjing they can definitely reach Beijing and the imperial governments in Beijing and so the Chinese are like fuck it this is not worth it and they sue for peace which results in the Treaty of Nanjing which is the first of several really fucked up treaties for the Chinese. Yeah. Um, so in what would be known as the first of the, the, the uneven or the unfair treaties in China, and that's a later term that like the modern Chinese sort of propagandized, this whole period has been heavily referenced by the Chinese basically since like the early 20th century as sort of the reason for all of their woes. Um, the late Qing dynasty especially would like really blame a lot of their downfall on this. To be perfectly clear, the Qing dynasty is on its way out slowly for lots of reasons, and the opium wars are definitely part of it. But there's also a lot of like internal dog shit happening in China right now. They are they are really ineffectual at dealing with a lot of what's going on. So it's it's mm-hmm. a real mixed bag in terms of like why the imperial system is gonna go out in China and why there's gonna mm-hmm. be government upheaval. Um, but to suffice it to say that like these treaties are really unfair and really uneven. Yeah. Um so Firstly, and this is like a really important one historically, uh, China cedes the island of Hong Kong to the British, uh, and they allow access to four additional trade ports other than Canton. So that's Xiamen, Fuzhou, Ningpo, and Shanghai. Um, Shanghai is also a big one. The influx of foreign trade is going to boost the growth of that city massively, and to this day, it remains like one of the absolute like leading centers of trade. It's one of the biggest trade ports in the world, and it's sort of like an economic powerhouse. Um, this is sort of what a lot of those perverts who claim that all this was, like, a net positive, this is sort of what they're pointing to when they say, like, it was good for China because, like, this forced influx of foreign commerce, like, helped the, quote, modernization of, like, major Chinese port cities and thus, like, all of China. Um, but, like, there's also, like, a massive human cost to a lot of this. So Yeah,
0: and also, you know, when it, when it talks about that, like, it's not, like, the benefit of these colonial aims are going to the local population it's going to the colonial power
1: right <laughs> you know, especially like, right it's not designed to raise up the average person a little yeah. bit of that happens just because that's how it yeah. goes but it's certainly well, all not of that the aim.
0: yeah that massive amount of influx that's not going to china or the chinese people it's going to right
1: british people <laughs> right right um so also, and this is big, the Chinese agree to play, uh, pay a lump sum of 21 million silver dollars or tails, as they're called, T-A-E-L-S, um, to the Christ. British to repay uh, to repay confiscated opium, um, to cancel out debts owed by Chinese merchants to the British, which, like, I don't know, it sounds kind of dubious to me, um, oh. and for general war cost reparations. So that's going to take a big chunk out of that trade deficit. Um, Interestingly at the time, I mean the trade deficit was so bad and I I, kind of heard this I should have mentioned this last episode but um, the general consensus at the time was that like Because of how intense the British uh, addiction to Chinese goods specifically tea had grown At one point or another Every silver dollar minted on earth would find its way to China like it was just inevitable so China was like a black hole of silver like, yeah. at some point, if things didn't change, all the silver on planet Earth would end up in China. It was just that intense. So yeah. they had to, you know, quote, had to do something. Yeah. Um, also notably, the treaty, the treaty grants uh, total amnesty to all Chinese who had cooperated with the British during and preceding the war. Um, and then in 1843, they signed the supplementary treaty of the Bogue, um, which would grant the British mm-hmm. most favored nation status, which basically retroactively gives them every right available to other countries in China. So fuck you, Portugal and hey, gives hey, them, <laughs> it also gives them extraterritorial status, meaning they're still under British law, even when they're in China, um, in 1844, the U.S. signs the Treaty of Wanghia, which gives them similar rights in China, extraterritoriality, etc. cetera. Um, though it does ban the Americans from selling opium. Um, they obviously don't pay attention to this, though, because per the treaty, they're not subject to Chinese law. So they just kind of keep fucking doing it. Um, and in the same year, the French signed the Treaty of Huangpoi, which again um, gives them similar concessions. So all in all, the British and the apart, French. Man. Yeah the british the french the americans um they make out like bandits which they basically are they're drug peddling bandits um lots and lots and lots and lots of things happen around this time as i've mentioned that like i'm just not going to go into um we could do like an entire series on the opium wars but um we're going to just like move right along to the second opium war which happens a few years later So after the treaties following Opium War 1, the Tring government is uh, salty to say the least. They're pretty butthurt about this. Um, They repeatedly make attempts at keeping some vestige of authority over the British, who by now have made it quite clear that they are not willing to cede anything that they've gained. Um, notably in 1847 after repeated issues at the mouth of the Pearl River, which the British call the Boca Tigris, which means mouth of the tiger. Um, So the Chinese have sort of been, like, harassing their vessels, passing up the Pearl River, things like this. Um, The British basically just, like, take all the forts at the mouth of the the Boca Tigris and invade all the forts, and they spike their guns, which basically involves taking, like, a big lead spike and hammering it into the mouth of a cannon to block it. So they basically, rather than just, like, going in and, like, killing them all or arresting them or whatever, they're just like, oh, my God, you guys clearly can't handle having these cannons mm-hmm. here. And they, like, put child protective locks on them and then just leave them. And they're just like, you can keep them. They just don't work anymore. Um, yeah. So this is, like, a, a pretty clear intention to neuter and humiliate the Chinese defenders, which it does. They don't like this. hmm So notably, the French and the Americans had included clauses in their treaties, which allowed them to renegotiate terms after 12 years. Uh, The British had not thought of this. It's a great idea, Um, but they were, quote, the most favored, most favored nation. So in the 1850s, they begin demanding a renegotiation. They want all of China open to their merchants. They want legalized opium. They want to be allowed to export chinese laborers to their overseas colonies and right now the qing government is like you can't just take chinese people away and like use them to build your shit. and the brits are like why we'll like pay them something (laughs)
0: yeah (laughs) um
1: and so they call them coolies that's like an old school it's probably racist now like an old school term that the british had for like cheap indigenous asian laborers they call them that in Uh, that's got to have some
0: kind of racist
1: yeah like reasoning for it i think it's a derivative of of some sort of like indian terminology that they just like like everything they just like couldn't pronounce because they didn't give a fuck to try so but i don't know and they want to be exempt from trade tariffs um they basically just want even more than they've already got so obviously the Qing government doesn't agree to this um and in october of 1856 there's an incident and this is what the British use as a pretext. They're just looking for a pretext. They're like, wow, that last opium war was honestly really easy. We only lost like 100 guys. We should do another one. And so they're looking for a reason and they get it in October of 1856 when uh, a registered British ship, right? So it's registered out of Hong Kong, but it's crewed by Chinese. Um, it's called the Arrow. Uh, it, it's, it's stopped under suspicion of piracy. Um, okay. Now the ship flies a British flag um, and its captain legally was a Brit, but he wasn't on board. He was like on shore. it was It was basically Chinese pirates who were like renting out a British ship. Um, yep. So the ship gets seized, and Chinese marines board the ship and they arrest twelve of the crew. And reportedly, during the seizure of the ship, they lower the Union jack, which is How an out- dare they? an outrage. And the captain supposedly sees this from shore. And he petitions Harry Parks, who's the British consul in Canton, who in turn petitions the local governor of the city of Lingguang, who's a guy named Ye Mingchen, to release the prisoners and to apologize for the insult to the flag. Uh, So Ye agrees to release nine out of 12 guys, and he does not agree to apologize because he's like, this is fucking stupid. Like, these guys are pirates. Look. The three guys in charge we're keeping we are not apologizing for lowering that stupid fucking flag you can have nine your yeah. guys back so the british are like this will not stand this aggression will not stand man and yeah. they st- <laughs> and they start bombarding the river forts uh and then eventually they just assault the city <laughs> and the americans are there they support them they take the city of Lingguang. um the americans are like do like some real american shit and they start planting american flags all over the blown out city walls and they plant, one, like, on <laughs> of, yeah, they plant <laughs> one on top of yeah they plant one on top of Yaming Chen's personal residence which is like a pretty clear like fuck you um yeah Yaming Ye Chen is actually captured and he gets fucking deported to Calcutta which is like illegal they took a chinese national and just like sent him to India and he ends up starving yeah. himself to death like just cuz he doesn't want to live with the shame of being like a servant in some like foreign shitty land according to him yeah um yeah. so the british do withdraw but the pot is now simmering um they're delayed from further military action by par- parliamentary talks on the incident as well as the indian rebellion which happens yeah. right at the same time um i remember in school learning <laughs> about this and it being called the sepoy mutiny Um, But this implies that the rebellion was unjust and illegal, like calling it a mutiny sort of implies Mm -hmm. that it was like wrong for them to do this. Um, So they don't really call it that anymore. But basically sepoys was like an old term for British soldiers, I'm sorry, Indian soldiers in the service of the British Army who were, you know, uh, understandably pretty upset and chafing under the rule of the East India Company. And so they launched a full-scale revolt in India, which was uh, very large and very well-coordinated, but was ultimately crushed by the British. But it provides a distraction from the Opium Wars. So all these troops that are in Asia are diverted to quell the rebellion. Concurrently, in 1856, there's a a French missionary who gets killed in China. His name is Auguste Chapdelan. And he was in the province of Guangxi, which at this time, remember, was still closed to foreigners. Um, there were just these five ports now after the last war that are open. Um, so he's preaching the gospel there. And religious freedom does not exist in China. It, I hesitate to say it like that because it makes it sound like people are being repressed. But like... This law is basically used to prevent like Europeans from exerting foreign influence over the people of China, which is really Mm -hmm. like, let's be honest, what's going on when they're trying to convert people to Christianity. Um, So that's bam. So he gets gets taken and he gets killed. Um, And so the French are really upset and they call Britain and they're like, listen man, if you're trying to fuck up China, we're in this time. And so they've got France on their side now. Um, And then Russia and the US both reach out and they're like, listen man, we'll help you. And England is like, do you want an alliance? And they're both like, nah, but like, we'll help you. And so there's four countries now involved. The U.S., as I mentioned, they don't agree to, they basically fight their own opium war. It's just sort of concurrent to the British opium war. It's a lot smaller in scale. Mm -hmm. It ends sooner. They sign peace treaties that are separate. But for a while, they're just sort of also fighting the Chinese and where it helps them, they'll like, dip in and help the British and the French. And the same is sort of true of Russia. Like neither of them agrees to like anything formal, but they're both trying to get their own shit and like occasionally they all act in concert with one another against the Chinese. Um, in 1857, it's about to pop off. So in 1857, the British assemble a force in Hong Kong and are joined by supplementary French troops. Um, And they Mm -hmm. decide, hey, let's take Canton again. We did that once. Let's do it again. That shit was cool as fuck. Yeah, it was dope when we did that last time. Let's go, boys. Let's go do it. Uh, so it's a city of a million inhabitants, and it gets taken by a force of less than 6,000 men, which is fucking bonkers. Um, Fifteen British troops are killed, British and French troops are killed, and only 113 are wounded. So this, again, showcases just how stagnate, stagnant and outdated the Chinese military apparatus was and how advanced mm-hmm. the Western forces had become, even over the course of the last decade. Like, they're, yeah. just, they're just getting better and better, and the Chinese are just staying the same um yaming chen as i said is captured he's exiled to calcutta um in 1858 uh may of 1858 the coalition forces begin attacking the the taku forts which are a series of forts guarding and blocking off the high river which is the river that most quickly allows access to beijing Mm -hmm. um so they take the forts but then china sues for peace because if they take the taku forts they can reach beijing um so they call off the assault. They give the forts back, and they draft <laughs> the Treaty of Tianjin, okay. um, which nice. the Chinese see and are like, "We're not, we're not fucking, we're not fucking signing this." Mm-hmm. But they draft it. All the other countries—Britain, France, Russia, the U.S.—sign um, it, and it gives them rights to ten more ports being, uh, ten more ports being opened. Foreigners now have the right to travel inland and along the Yangtze River. And the Yangtze River is one of the main rivers in China, which, if they have access to the Yangtze, they've basically got access to the whole country. Um, Oh, and they also squeeze, uh, like, six million more silver dollars for the British and four million more for the French, just for their trouble. Yeah. But it's not over. Um, Back in Britain, the general public and the Whigs were in an uproar over the obvious injustice, as as we've mentioned. Um, But, you remember Lord Palmerston, who's that fucking Viscount piece of shit who, like, set this whole thing in motion. Yeah. So the whigs they attempt to institute an inquiry into the legality of the conflict because at this point even the other whigs are like this is this is fucked up. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But uh he, Lord Palmerston, uh is really pissed about this so he forces and I'm not super good on parliamentary practice so I'm not going to go into it but I will say he through maneuvering and whatever devious bullshit, he forces a disillusion of parliament which leads mm-hmm. to a general election in 1857, and that effectively disrupts any parliamentary inquest into the war. So the war is just going to keep going, and by the time Parliament can get their shit together, it's too late. Yeah, man, par- par- parliamentary uh,
0: politics are crazy. Yeah. You can just constantly be go- It's weird to me that there's systems where you don't know when the general elections are going to be. Yeah. You can just be like, everybody's like, you know what, fuck this. We're having We're one. We're voting. We're voting. I want an election. That's like how Netanyahu Netanyahu was staying in power in Israel. It just yeah. like, kept fucking calling general elections. They had like, I think more than one, they were averaging more than like one fucking year. Yeah, it's
1: insane. <laughs> it doesn't make sense to me either. It's, it's definitely interesting and I'd like to learn a little more about it. Um, yeah, I mean, it also feels like it's more democratic than what we have. Sure, because if you're upset, you can just like have like a motion of no confidence, and it's like there it is. It's way easier yeah. than like an impeachment trial or anything. And they just say this isn't working. We're gonna try something different, and yeah. they just do it. And so it's like there's something inherently kind of interesting about that. Now I'm sure that yeah. we're kind of <laughs> plowing through. Yeah, our I think there's probably some I, more as, subtlety as, to it than that. Yeah, as uh, the,
0: basically our second and third most listened to countries right Uh, i I guess fourth most uh, are all parliamentary yeah they're all probably just sitting there like these fucking idiots have no (laughs) idea what they're talking about (laughs) so um in that case fuck you we know everything that we're talking about yeah man
1: we're experts on all of this and i totally don't just like quickly research all my stuff online in the week preceding an episode um (laughs) so, so meanwhile uh, the Chinese have been beefing up defenses at the Taku Forts because they realize that this is like the main artery to allow access to the imperial government. And they yeah. call down a Mongol general named Singe Rinchen. Um, who is in the service of the Qing government. Remember how, like, the Manchus who make up the ruling caste of China at this point are sort of a northern Tungusic people who have sort of cultural ties to the Mongols and the Jurchens and whatever. So, yeah. this guy is, is is ethnically Mongol, but he serves the, the Qing dynasty. Um, and he, he comes down and brings additional artillery. He's sort of a warlord. He brings additional artillery, and he brings 4,000 highly trained Mongol cavalry, which, if you know anything about history, the Mongols are, like, arguably the greatest horsemen on planet earth and were famed for their their well-trained disciplined cavalry soldiers and that there's is no different there's been a no couple
0: uh, there's been a couple famous times in history yeah where a bunch of uh perverts from the steppes came and conquered a bunch of bullshit on oh, horses yeah.
1: yeah and and that's some of my favorite shit in the world yeah i love the steppe people's and their culture and the and the the cavalry centric warfare and all that it's it's really and then cool. they just retreat back from whence they came yeah and then everybody <laughs> forgets about them and then like 300 years pass and then they're like oh yeah we're back like we got organized again sorry <laughs> yeah, everyone they're just like, like hey what's going on? We're back. <laughs> yeah we're still really good at this shit yeah yeah we do it the same way we've been doing it and you still yeah. aren't good gonna... at. oh man it's so funny anyway we'll talk more yeah. about that but just know that mongol cavalry is a big fucking deal um so the british and the french they see this and they think fuck yeah let's start some more shit um, so, a British naval force under Admiral James Hope, and I hope he doesn't get up to any, any dirty business here. Okay, I know. Amen. They set sail up the High River and they demand to be let past the Taku Forts and into Beijing. They have a bunch of diplomats on board and they want to meet with Imperial officials. But they have a bunch of soldiers. They have like 2,000 soldiers. They would soldiers love with
0: to speak too. to the manager.
1: They want to talk to the manager. They've got some, some some pointers about how things are being run. Listen, this isn't how you run a business. <laughs> this isn't how you treat a customer. Oh man so uh, Sengey Rinchen he's like um, you can send your diplomats but the rest of you absolutely cannot pass because we know how that goes yeah and the British insist on the troops being allowed through uh, Sengery Rinchen says no way so at night the British send a bunch of sneaky bastards out and they sabotage they had like <laughs> barriers set up across the river to block the boats and yeah. they sabotage those and then the next day they're like we're just we're going through and they start bombarding the forts but Rinchen and his new uh artillery that he set up start firing back and they're actually like doing some damage and so there are some americans who are hoping to kind of coast up the river with the british uh and they were officially told to stay neutral but they end up taking part in the battle anyway like illegally which is sort of their whole thing in this whole war and uh yeah, dude,
0: they're like hype men that just yeah. keep
1: like, yeah. following the Brits around. Well, because at this point, the Americans are still like a relatively minor power. They're not yeah. like,
0: you know, they're, they're not... a local
1: power. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, and and so, that's
0: not local to Asia.
1: <laughs> no, they're trying to break into that, but they're definitely yeah. riding the coattails of the British and the French. So ultimately, Senge Rinchen repels the assault. He successfully repels the British, and one of the few like legitimate victories that the Chinese would, would achieve. Unfortunately, the British were like they had this whole policy in, in these conflicts of like never sending more men than they like barely needed to, to get anything done because they were just like so confident in their ability to whoop the Chinese. So yeah. next time instead of two thousand men, they send eleven thousand men, which they can spare because they've got the world's greatest navy. Um, and they storm the forts and just like completely overrun them and then they move up river. Um, They take the city of Tianjin in 1860 and Tianjin is like the the fort that defends, it's like the the fort city that defends immediate access to Beijing the Qing dispatches emissaries to sue for peace again, um, and they're met by British envoy Henry Parks, I'm sorry, Harry Parks, who we mentioned before. Uh, Parks, however, is like super pompous and a real asshole. And when his group goes to like wherever the the, the meeting place is and meets with the Qing envoys, mm-hmm. uh, he insults the emissary and he and his party are arrested and taken into custody for questioning. Mm-hmm. Um, Apparently, during this questioning, and who's to say how true this is, this could be British propaganda, but um, several of his fellow diplomats are then executed by ling chi, which means slow death or slow slicing. Uh, which is a legitimate thing that that the Chinese did do. It's 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 real. And basically, parts of your body are like slowly and methodically cut off, starting at your extremities, and then tourniquets are applied so that like you can stay alive and have mm-hmm. like more parts of your body cut off until you're basically just like a stump. Um, apparently, the British recovered their like disfigured corpses and were like, "That's it. No peace." And so they march on Beijing. Um, They again clash with Senge Rinchen's Mongol cavalry and 6,000 infantry um, at Bali Chao, which is 8 Mile Bridge, which is like this big stone bridge that leads into the city of Beijing. Um, Unfortunately, and he's been doing really well. What would you say? 8 Mile, you say. Yeah. (laughs) Their palms are sweaty. Their knees weak. (laughs) Their arms are heavy. Um, So... Unfortunately, even though Senge Rinchen has been doing so well up until this point, actually, like, given the British what for, um, he decides that the best way to defeat the British is with, like, a total show of force and leads, like, a full frontal charge through, like, a. I mean, it's a pretty big bridge, but it's still just over a bridge at, like, a, a fully arrayed and prepared, like, British gun battery. And just gets it's, fucking decimated. Like so,
0: there's just like this like rousing moment where he's like, amping up his troops. Yeah, he's like, we're gonna kick them about out. about defending your homeland. You know what I mean? Everybody's cheering. You know, yeah. you as the viewer, you start getting goosebumps. They just start charging in there and just get mulched.
1: Yeah, they they get absolutely <laughs> fucked up. Um, and so the British storm Beijing. Um, this Yanfeng Emperor had fled the city. Uh, and yep. he left his brother... Uh, what is his brother's name? I don't know. You're supposed to tell me this. I know! I I, I didn't write it either place. I want to say his name was Bo. Hey. Whatever. So it's the emperor's brother. I, I don't know why I didn't write his Beau. name. But We'll go with Bo. I think it's Bo. Um, okay. So the Emperor brother, emperor's brother is left behind to like deal with the British. And they immediately enter the city and they begin ransacking the imperial summer palaces. Um, So as you've probably heard, if you know anything about um, Beijing, there's the city of Beijing and then at the center, there's the imperial city, the forbidden city, which is for members of the imperial family only. Now you can get in, right? Because the the Mm. the CCP doesn't fucking believe in that shit. But um, at this point, like no, not only had no Westerner never set foot in the forbidden city, but like, normal Chinese people couldn't set foot in the Forbidden City. It was like sort of sacrosanct, you know, like no one got in or out except for the imperial family. And so the British start talking like, we should fucking burn the imperial city down. Like just, to, like just to show these like little fucks like who they're dealing with, let's burn down their most sacred institution. Yeah. but eventually they decide like not to do that because it might make it harder to make deals with them after so they just settle on burning down the emperor's summer homes and like stealing all the priceless artifacts within a lot of which are still held in british museums um so <laughs> basically now the the emperor's brothers like okay, were you okay, thinking okay.
0: of were you thinking of gong yeah so that's one of is his it, brothers is it gong it must be gong yeah prince gong prince gong yeah, yeah. did you just look it up yeah, uh, yeah, I was looking it yeah. up. It was, uh, I, it's, I had to finally had to search his brother. I couldn't find it otherwise. Yeah. But it says uh, he was a brother of the Xionfeng Emperor, Prince Gong, was assigned to make peace with the British and French forces. Prince Gong. Who would occupy Beijing.
1: Okay. So it's Prince Gong, and he's, but, he's but in But he has bow in our hearts. Yeah. He's our bow. Um, yeah. So. Hey, nice. On October 16th, 1860, uh, Prince Gong ratifies the Treaty of Tianjin, finally, which, you know, they wrote two years ago in the chart, Also known as Bo. Mm -hmm. Um, He affirms its legality, and they add several more provisions. They're like, you know, if you had just signed this two years ago, we wouldn't have had to do this, but for our troubles, we're going to add some more shit. Um, So now, this is called the Convention of Peking, which is what the British called Beijing. Uh, evangelism, Evangelism is now allowed in China. Um, Opium is now fully legal. Uh, They can take Chinese people overseas whenever they want. Um, A further $8 million indemnity in silver tails are paid. And uh, Kowloon is also ceded to the British and considered part of Hong Kong. It's like a mainland village that's right across the little strait that separates the island of Hong Kong from the mainland. So now they have like a foothold in the mainland and they control that whole little harbor and strait and area there. Mm -hmm. Um, The Chinese were culturally humiliated. Um, this absolutely marks the beginning of the end in a lot of ways for the Qing government. Um, as I said before, there's a lot of other stuff going on that are leading the Qing government down a road towards sort of ruin. Um, but I think what's important about this is that what this really showed not only the world but also the, the people in China is that this, yeah. this, 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 this ruling dynasty lacked the ability to protect its people. Uh, uh-huh. Or to, to protect its own interests right so uh-huh. if you've got a government think about this You're a citizen of a government and other countries can just come in and do whatever the fuck they want to you with no reprisal They can just take you away as they, an indentured yeah. servant. They can just do whatever the fuck they want and They can sell drugs to you and your government who claims to have you know There's a very important concept in Chinese history called the mandate of heaven and mm-hmm. it's this idea that um the ruling dynasty of China possesses the mandate of heaven, the, the heavens smile upon them and imbue them with the divine right to rule. And when you start to exhibit that you are losing hold on power, it's said that you have lost the mandate of heaven. Um, heaven no longer has, has you as the chosen rulers of the people. And so there are starting to be whispers, um, not only because of the Opium War, but this certainly leads to it, that the Qing Dynasty has lost the mandate of heaven. They are no longer the divinely mandated rulers of the people of China. Um, And so there start to be more and more rebellions and local warlords and things like that. And that's going to lead to um, a lot of really insane shit in in the 20th century. Um, Chinese history in the 20th century is some of the most insane, nonstop, brutal shit of all time. Um, but the, the, the echoes of this period are going to be felt right up through present day. Um, so as I've mentioned, you know, not just the Qing government, but successive governments up through like the CCP, the, the current ruling party of China, really look back on this period as a, as a, a kind of a defining moment when, you know, Western powers abused their... Uh, military strength and like really dispossessed China and uh it's never really been forgotten Chinese intellectuals still point to this as like one of the great historical injustices done to them mm-hmm. um which I gotta say
0: yeah yeah it, no it totally, was. Fucked up, it totally was
1: and there are still you know historians who make arguments about it but it's like pretty clear that like you know all of their internal strife and troubles aside um was it really our place to speed well I say our but I just mean fucking white people from Europe right was it really the place of, of, of Europeans and Americans to speed that process along I, I I say no um yeah and I mean so like this, this starts what is now known as the century of humiliation mm-hmm. um in China, which is basically just, like, a succession of China getting fucked over by foreign powers and also, like, witnessing a massive internal decline in their social and political structure. Um, Mm -hmm. It sort of culminates... The Century of Humiliation sort of culminates in the 40s when Japan... I guess in the 30s, when Japan invades China um, and (sighs) commits, like, a whole bunch of other atrocities there, and that's a whole other story. Yeah. Um, So it's, like, the 1830s through the 1940s. And that's sort of viewed as like the final straw that leads to, you know, the creation of the modern state of China in response to a century of being, you know, counted out and treated like like dogs by the world. In the West, you know, contemporaneously and up through present day, the opium war is met with general disgust from um, the public, um, as well as through lots of elements of British politics. And one of my favorite quotes is from uh, then future Prime Minister William Ewart Gladstone um, who after the first opium war called it uh, a war that was more unjust in its origin and more calculated in its progress to cover this country with permanent disgrace um, referring to the way that it, that it made Britain look right, like it sort of mm-hmm. immediately pierced any veil of Britain as being like a, an enlightened and honorable society and was just like nah man at the end of the day we're just fucking pirates who saw some shit and knew we could take it and so we took it and is that the country you guys want to live in? Um, and you know what? Up through present day, unfortunately, that <laughs> yes, yeah, that has dancing. only <laughs> the answer to that has become a resounding yes, and it's it's yeah. got way more public support now than it ever did then. I mean, the amount of people who are just like red in the face to go to war with you know Iraq and whatever else it, it's it's just it's for, for money, a, just for money, you know. Yeah, um, it's it's kind of bananas. So. There's also, and I, I wanted to mention before the end. There's, there's technically, I guess, a third Opium War that takes place in I think the 1930s, and it's okay. between uh, Chiang Kai-shek's uh, dispossessed okay. Republic of China and uh, where does he go? Like North Vietnam or oh, no Laos? Yeah, Laos, and he like fights um. the Laotian government. Um, and this is like before he ends up in, in Taiwan, but it's yeah. not like, uh, I don't know much about before it. Before the communists
0: kick it. his ass across the, yeah. Oh yeah. He gets across fucking, the
1: sea. <laughs> he gets housed by the communists.
0: And really because he, he, cause they, they initially had uh, sided together, Chiang yeah. Kai-shek and his nationalists. And then he like betrayed them yeah. and they were like, okay, well fuck off.
1: <laughs> that probably would have, that was inevitable. I mean, yeah, I took a whole like 400 level course on that in, in college Mm-hmm. um and it's that whole period is 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 fucking insane the rise of the chinese communist party is some of the some of the most interesting history um yeah on planet earth it's like really 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 wild yeah. i'm hoping to and do the- some stuff on that later because yeah.
0: um hey president like said- g is uh, the first ever um the first ever like kid of an original yeah. Chinese Communist Party official like yeah. there's like there's always been like sort of like almost this like reaction against nepotism right. that's made them like very dispossessed the children of like the the original officials and Xi Jinping, uh, Xi Jinping like rose above all of that to like yeah. you know become probably their most prominent head since Deng
1: to be the, uh, the hungriest bear in the hundred acre wood <laughs>
0: <laughs> that, I, I I get that reference. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh bother!
0: Yeah. And you know uh. what, President G, sir, you may fire at will. America's ready. <laughs> <laughs> Give us everything you got. Yeah, we are ready. Your soldiers are in position. We will rise up, President G, uh, G, sir. You may fire at will.
1: Are you saying you, you want China to take over the United States? <laughs> it's just a, it's like oh. a joke. Oh, okay. But, I mean, also, yeah, fuck it.
0: Why not, man? It's got to be better than this.
1: I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know if it's better. I can't imagine it would be better. Like, I feel like they're, like, going through their own version of disillusionment with, uh, you know, party ideology and things like that. They're further and further from the light, I, I would say. I'm not oh, saying that, like... I mean, that, they have like, been since Deng take, Xiaoping. Right, and I don't yeah. take, like, the adversarial approach. I'm not saying this as somebody who's like, China's yeah. the biggest threat to whatever. Like, I just mean, like, in terms of what the Chinese Communist Party set out to create and, like, what they've got now. Like, it's it's, I it's mean, pretty mean, out of whack.
0: Yeah, I mean, they they immediately liberalized after yeah. uh, Mao Zedong died, you know, and then Deng came
1: in, and the rightists got control. Right. But Yeah, and yeah. it's 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 just been nothing but fucking... Hoo-ha and ding-dong ever since it's been fucking fucking poop over there. Uh, it's just poop yeah. and hey. We're poop over here. It's just too big poop. Too big piles of poop. It's just too big poop. Two big piles of
0: big old poop yeah. Hey, man, well, you know, there's a uh, there's something to be said, you know, it's uh the Soviet Union Instead of liberalizing, you know, the the leaders just got all mopped up and then decided to sell out Yeah, dude, they got all of gangster. the people. Yeah I mean, dude, they held a referendum, yeah. like as it was starting to collapse, and it was like I think it was like over seventy percent of people voted saying that they wanted to stay in the Soviet Union. But all the uh, the leaders, they were just like, "Yeah, but we can make a lot of money."
1: <laughs> yeah, here's the thing, guys. Um, we didn't realize Where's how, to how rich sell we could you the get? fuck out. Yeah, it's not happening. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. and then the Sorry. largest uh,
0: drop in human life expectancy in modern history happened love it yep love that still haven't recovered what'd you say some of those places still haven't recovered oh yeah
1: no (laughs) dude absolutely not yeah it's it's oh i don't know i don't know hey you know what not to change the subject but i'm really proud of us because we made it through the hottest hour of our lives yeah we don't have to stop we didn't take a break I, i powered through i'm sorry everybody if i was talking kind of fast uh I don't know. It is what it is. It, it, it's 1,000 it's degrees hey, in here. Hey, guess what? You can change the speed on your podcast app. Yeah, but it doesn't say... Yeah, you guys can. I'm not going to because it's going to sound fucking no. stupid. Yeah, you just, guys can listen at 0.75. Hey, unfortunately, <laughs>
0: there's no <laughs> I was born in a test.
1: And unfortunately... The Opium War.
0: <laughs> nice, yeah, dude. dude. That, I
1: was holding that back this whole time.
0: That one's for you, fine listeners. Oh,
1: you better believe it. You better believe it. Uh-huh. All right. Well, I feel good about this. Yeah, me too. That was pretty good. Yeah, man.
0: You got, any, uh, you got any plans this weekend? Doing anything cool? Watching me? anything cool? Yeah.
1: Fuck, I don't even know. Uh, I'm off again tomorrow. I'm going to edit this and... Yeah. we'll have the show out and then uh Oh yeah, no, yes, I do. I'm I'm hanging out with my parents. Uh, oh nice. Yeah, I'm excited to see them. I don't see them that Tell much them soon. I say what's up. I will. Give give uh give the old pooch a scratch on the head for me. Yeah, man. A little head scratch. Yeah, I will. He's he's a good boy. He deserves it. Um yeah, so that's pretty much it. And then I think Kristen might come up and join us when she's out of work and I don't know. That's pretty much it. Yeah. You know what I've been watching is uh, Critical Role. Okay. What's Do you know not... about Critical Role? No. So it's been on for a while. It's like a, like a web series where a bunch of nerds who are also voice actors like, get together yeah. and play an ongoing campaign of D&D. Okay. Yep, yep, and yep, I yep. started watching it when I got all my D&D books just to kind of give me, like, an idea of how these games are run and, like, kind of get an idea of, like, the practical <laughs> applications of the rules and stuff. And they play with a lot of house rules and stuff, but it's cool. And it's 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 really helped me. Each episode's like, two hours long. Yeah. Um, so it's not like I sit there and watch it, like, back-to-back. But I, I recommend it. They do some pretty cool shit. And they've got all the campaigns up on YouTube. And then I think starting like halfway through the second campaign they started releasing it as a podcast too so you can listen to it cool um but i'm not there yet but it's cool and and it it just is giving me like a lot of ideas about like how to kind of run the game that i'm trying to get together Mm -hmm. and uh yeah so that's fun what about you man what do you got going on
0: i don't know um not really sure what's going on this weekend uh although i i do definitely doing some dsa stuff on saturday um, but you know, I have been watching, as you know, a shit ton of Deep Space Nine, mm-hmm. and I finally got to season four, and I knew that Worf, you know, Worf from the Next Generation. Yeah, he's he's in DS Nine starting with season four, mm-hmm. and still when he came in in that first episode, I was like, "Fuck yeah, dude, hmm. my boy!" Oh <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, you are without honor,
1: <laughs> dude. Worf rocks. <laughs> I know dude. he's such a good character. <laughs> I so I'm still you know on like season, I think end of season two of of yeah. TNG because I just like don't watch a lot of TV but, um, yeah. he's he's so awesome I love yeah
0: Warf. he's yeah he's an awesome character I love yeah. Him. but yeah dude Deep Space Nine is amazing oh my god it's so fucking good
1: oh man maybe Great I'll watch show. some Star Trek tonight
0: yeah uh, yeah I'm gonna put in the least amount of effort I've put in yet to making the cover image because like i'm fucking exhausted after an insane week that i've worked a shit ton of overtime it is now quarter of nine and i am going to spend about 20 or 30 minutes on this yeah i'm probably just going to use the same image and just flip it and add some different things uh and then i'm going to veg the fuck out
1: yeah man by all means yeah just change some of the background shit
0: yeah that's what i'm gonna do i'm literally it's just gonna be the same foreground image or the same background image i'm gonna flip it uh, on its axis, and then I'm just gonna add different stuff in the background, basically like what I did with Jack the Ripper. Yeah, dude. So, uh, add, um, yeah, if you, ha- yeah, if you please, I've, I'm trying to, th- I've like, I've, t- <laughs> I kept trying to think during this episode, I was like, should I add that? So, if you have ideas, I would love that. Yeah,
1: add Senge Rinchen. Okay. Yes. Um, there's pictures yeah, of him. I was him. gonna add him, yeah. There's an actual photograph of him, but it's kind of grainy, so I don't know, yeah. like, Senge Rinchen. Yeah, oh
0: my God, that's way too grainy. I can't use that picture. Yeah. I'll use i I'll use a different one. Yeah, look, damn, he, damn, he's pretty swag looking though. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, they, 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 were, they were. He, he looks like he could, fuck some fools up.
1: They were a no joke people. Shit, although,
0: maybe I will use that one though. I don't know. I don't know. It's so grainy.
1: There's, there's also some pretty cool photos of, like, oh, the battles like, of uh, the Battle of Qingkyang. There's a lot of cool paintings of battles. You could theoretically use something other than...
0: Oh, no, I see one right here. A Qing Chinese general, possibly Senge Rinchen. And he's looking like an absolute G, sitting down. Nice. Oh, is that
1: him um, yeah, like dressed yeah, yeah, yeah. in gold? In, in the yeah. gold armor?
0: Yeah, use it. Yeah.
1: Just yeah, use I mean, that as on. the picture.
0: No, I still want the opium shit.
1: Okay, use the opium shit.
0: Yeah. I'll just cut this you out. You can also
1: find the Daoguang Emperor. There are paintings of all these guys that were done contemporaneously.
0: Yeah. Yep, yep.
1: Anyway, thank you guys for joining us this week. I hope that you liked our conversation about the opium wars. Yep. Yeah. It was good. We're hot, so I think we're probably going to call it. Does that sound okay to you?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Uh, yep, yeah, just, uh, please, uh, you know tell people about us tell your friends Mm your family um rate and review us subscribe uh you know if you want to email us send us hate mail send us love mail uh tell us things that we should do uh do episodes on that is um that's leftunbredpod at gmail.com you can follow us on twitter you can follow us on instagram you can follow
1: us like just around in our personal lives
0: yeah yeah that's cool we're um we you know it might be a little creepy, but if you do want to do that, you can do that.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. not. I'm fine with it. I'm not creeped out by it. Yeah. Follow me. Yeah, we're
0: both pretty big guys, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, right, so, cool. so yeah, if you yeah, if you want to gang stalk us, you can do that. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: Right, and I'll All continue right. to cyber bully people that don't like the Green Knight.
1: Yeah. We oh, Please.
0: Are, we are a pro cyber bully podcast and a pro, pro Green, Green Knight that, podcast. No? Yeah. So. Yeah. If you can combine both of those, we'd be happy. Um, Go for all it. right. So yeah. Uh, all right. Well, uh, see you next time. Okay. Well, we'll
1: see you next time.
0: Okay. Well, next time we will all be right. seeing you. And
1: we will see you next time. On left. Until on Red. next time. Until next time, <laughs> folks. We'll see you next time. Peace. Next time. <laughs> <laughs>